want to start by telling you a dream I had. Someone told me I was going to have this dream, and I think I had it like a month ago. But I was standing in a safari, like an African grassland, and it was in clear, vivid color, and the, the grassland was on fire. And I'm looking out across the field, and I see a lion jump out of the brush to devour me. Its mouth is open, and it's just going to swallow me whole. In the next frame or the next sequence, I'm looking at that lion from the side, and someone is scolding it. So it's now sitting, and it's cowering, and it's gone from ferocious to cartoonish. And then uh, in the, the third scene, I'm laying in that same field, and the lion's laying next to me, and he's trying to eat me. But he can't. All he can do is rip strips of skin off my body. And it hurts. Um, but I know that the lion can't consume me. I know that my life is not in danger. I just know that he's trying. So I wake up. It's like 5.30 in the morning. And uh, I thank God for the dream. And then I ask him to give my mind a little help. <laughs> what exactly did that mean? And so I start whistling this song that I learned when I was in uh, Sunday school. Uh, oh, them lions, they can eat my uh, body, but they can't uh, steal my soul. Though they keep on trying, uh, they can't get control. Satan prowls like a luring lion, seeking whom he will desour. Even though I know that he keeps on trying, he's no match for Jesus' power. And so I went, oh, that's what that means. Thank you. I was like, that's clearly a picture of salvation. I appreciate that. And uh, it was very touched. Three weeks later, I'm studying in a Starbucks, and God reveals to me on a very personal level how he's saving me and my family. And so my salvation becomes very real, very quick. I wasn't any less thankful before, but it's impacting me, so much so that I have to pack up my stuff, go into the bathroom, and have a moment of just weeping and so, like I am wailing out loud on the floor of a Starbucks bathroom. It's not pretty. There's snot everywhere, and I'm just crying. And I walk out thinking, like people are gonna look at me awkward, find that amusing, but nobody seemed to care. <clears throat> but I tell you that because I think I have faith that that dream just wasn't for me. The idea that there. Um, is a God who saves us from an enemy and enemies that want to destroy us is very real. The need for God's salvation is profound, internally and externally. And when we are greeted and we come face to face with that salvation, it changes us. So I share that with you because I think it's a helpful segue in today's sermon, but also in my spirit. If you have faith that maybe God is saying something to you through that dream, it's yours too. And so this sermon is going to take some scripture and the Holy Spirit to understand what salvation means in our life. So uh, we are finishing a series on the purpose of praise, and today we're looking at salvation. And this psalm, Psalm 27, you can turn there, Psalm 27, written by David, is a psalm praising God for his salvation. And the question is, is what does salvation save us from? 
And so David does a good job of describing what salvation is. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit as to what salvation saves us from. And I am confident that God is going to speak to you personally. So read with me. I'm going to read out loud verses 1 to 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord and the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temples. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing praise to the Lord with music. So what we have is the psalmist, David, describing why he's praising God for salvation. And what's important here isn't just how he describes salvation, but the manner in which he describes salvation. So when he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom should I fear? This is not a rhetorical question. This is not a, a ponderance. This is a declaration of what's true. That there is nothing or no one outside or within me that is worth fearing more than God. And this brings him joy. He's not afraid. He is full of joy. And the overflow of his heart is an outburst praise of joy for God that he saves him, that he gives him safety. David describes salvation as safety. Because there is no one better to fear than God. And so out of that, he praises. Jesus is the light that confronts all inward and outward darkness. And our joyful declaration aligns our hearts with that truth. That's the invitation of David. Isn't just to sit down and think that this is true. If, if David were here, he'd be at the front of the church, lifting his hands, shouting out loud. It's not just what he's saying, but it's how he's saying it. When you realize that God has saved you, that he's given you safety, a response is required. When you are greeted with the reality of God's salvation, you erupt in praise. It's appropriate. It's what we're called to do. He also describes salvation as victory. Not personal success, but victory. God's victory is your victory. It's shared with us. And this motivates our devotion to him. So David uses words like seek, delight, meditate on his law, in his presence, in his temple. David even refers to a rock, and he's remembering a time when he was fleeing his enemies that God saved him. This is the call for you and I when we think and worship about God for salvation. It's to delight, it's to seek, it's to remember, it's to praise. And here's what's important. It's not based on your performance. 
You receiving your salvation has nothing to do with your performance. It can't. It can't be whether you earned it. And so the question I ask is, what then undermines Jesus as our source of safety and victory? And I think it's pride. I think pride is counter to worship. I think pride undermines worshiping God for his salvation, which is your safety and your victory. And so here's what I think pride looks like. If you're sitting in the pew today, and your relationships are going well, and you're fruitful in your ministry, and you're doing well in studies, you're advancing in your work, people will compliment you. And we should just receive a compliment and say thank you. It's good to be complimented. But sometimes, I've done this, maybe you have too, when someone compliments you, inside you start to worry, hmm, I feel like I need to keep up appearances. You have a perception of me and my success. And then we start to make our salvation, our safety and our victory, a little bit about our performance. Oh boy, wouldn't want them to think that I'm not as great as I am. Or maybe you're the, um, the false humility type. Someone gives you a compliment and uh, you're like the quarterback who wins the Super Bowl and goes, oh yeah, Jesus. Jesus, like it was all Jesus, you know. And so not me, oh, I didn't do anything. It was all him. And you don't hear the loser doing that at a, fo- <laughs> at a Super Bowl. Ever heard the losing quarterback go, thank you, Jesus, for my loss. Praise Jesus. Like no one's not doing that. Maybe someone's done that. <clears throat> Maybe, I don't know. But when we're victorious, when we're safe, when we're successful and fruitful, I think pride, it's easy to get prideful and to maintain appearances, or simply because we get boastful, we start to think that somehow our salvation is dependent upon our performance. And that undermines Jesus as your source of safety and victory. And you stop worshiping him. But when people recognize and compliment, there is an appropriate response. This is what David's demonstrating for you and I. It's to say, thank you, and praise God. Thank you, and I love to seek him, and I love to meditate on his word, and I love to be in his presence. We're not just passive bystanders. We have things to do. We're called to love and worship God. That requires action and initiation. But it's not about our glory. It's about his So don't let pride, I, not don't let, when you sense pride coming in to undermine Jesus as the source of your salvation, your response is to worship him. Not with cheap shout outs, not with false humility, but sincere thankfulness and joyfulness that Jesus is your source. And what do you do? You meditate in his presence. And you seek him. And you think about his word. And you you value him and you long to be with him even more. And you express it. I have a hard time with this, but 
there's a right time to like get at the front and put your arms up and praise out loud. It's entirely appropriate. This is what David's demonstrating, not just saying. So you can always come to the front and try to do that with me awkwardly. I feel awkward when I do it. We can just be awkward together. <clears throat> so that's, that's the first half of Psalms 27. And I say first half because some people think that these are actually two different Psalms. But for you and I, they've been pushed together. And in the second half of the Psalms, David's ch tone changes quite a bit. And when I first read it, I thought, how has he gone from like man of faith to like woe is me? But that's not what David's saying. Read with me, verse 7. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Do not leave me now. Do not abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. So the tone of David changes, but he's still describing salvation, and he's still demonstrating appropriate response. So how does David describe salvation? Well, he calls it family. He is describing an intimacy, a belonging, an acceptance that we all desire. The innermost sanctuary of God's presence, the holiest place you could be as a Jew, was not accessible to anybody who is unclean. And so what the psalm is inviting to you and I, it's saying to you and I, is that your cleanliness is no longer an issue. Intimacy with the Father is possible. Having family and community is possible. It's not just possible, it's what's true. See, praising God for salvation is as much as expressing an emotion, a response, as it is as aligning ourselves with truth. God is your source of salvation. He gives you family. That's what salvation looks like. A home and people to belong to and intimacy and relationship. First with him and then with others. It's a gift. I love this quote. Beyond our breaking point, God's love would still persist. Indeed, that is the be that it begins where man's leaves off. So maybe you're sitting in the pews today and you heard the first half of this psalm and you thought, that doesn't describe me. I'm not feeling super fruitful. I've got some broken relationships. I don't feel very victorious. Maybe you're comparing yourself to someone you're in ministry with. I think some of you can identify with what David's saying here. Don't turn away from me. Don't forget me. If, if you say come, I'll be there in a second. Still, let me be with you. Even if my parents reject me, I know that I have you as family. This is David worshiping God for his salvation out of desperation, out of desire. It's an appropriate response. If in the light of salvation, your response is to sit in the back row and cry 
and in your heart cry out for God's salvation, then you're still making Jesus the source of your salvation. It's not about your performance. If it's about your performance, well, then you got to dig yourself out of a hole. He goes on to describe salvation as hope and a future. He says, instruct me, make my path straight. If you feel lost, if you're not sure the direction you're going in, God goes before you and he guarantees you a future and he guarantees you a hope. This is his salvation in your life. And so you worship him for that truth even though it doesn't seem present. David's not just describing salvation, he's demonstrating when things aren't going well, how to worship God for his salvation. And when we don't worship God for his salvation, I think something creeps in and undermines that. I think insecurity. Before, it might have been pride. Perhaps insecurity, when things aren't going well, when you're not being fruitful, when life seems difficult. Maybe insecurity starts to creep in and you think, man, well, things aren't going to get better unless I do something about it. Or maybe you think to yourself, of course I'm not succeeding. Look at him. Look at her. Who am I? And we actually start making our sense of family, our sense of belonging, our future, our success about our effort, about us being somehow better. And that undermines, that replaces Jesus with futility and hopelessness. God's salvation, when things aren't going well, is your family, your intimacy, your hope, and your future. And in that place, there is an appropriate response, and that is to praise him for his salvation. That's what I love about this psalm. That's what struck me about this psalm, is whether David was feeling faith-filled or not, whether David was successful or not, whether David could see a future or not, he praised God for his salvation. Because God would his source. Who's your source? Are you doing well today? I'm glad. God bless you. Don't feel bad about that. Who's your source? Who are you worshiping for your victory and for your safety? Are you struggling? Do you feel alone? Maybe you're sitting right in the middle of this church service, but you feel like you're sitting on the outside. Maybe you feel insecure, like you're not good enough, or you're not loved well enough, or you're not sure if you have a future or a hope. You don't have to dig yourself out of that. There is a right response. Worship God for his salvation. So the question is, ultimately, what does salvation save us from? Salvation saves you from you. See, the problem, what David was saying to himself, the greatest enemy David faced wasn't anybody who was tracking him down. It wasn't hiding under rocks. It wasn't foraging in the wilderness. It wasn't wondering about his future, whether he would be king. It wasn't feeling alone. 
what was going to undermine David was his pride and his insecurity. A man who deserved to be king, anointed as king, living in the rocks and eating bugs, wondering if he ever actually would be king. It's not his circumstances that saved him. It's not your circumstances changing that will save you. Your pride and your insecurity, whether you're doing well or not, will only undermine Jesus as your source of salvation. And the right response is to praise him for who he is and what he's done. And he will save you from yourself. So, um, imagine yourself, put yourself in my dream. You're in the field on fire, and the lion jumps out to devour you. What is trying to devour you? Pride? Insecurity? False humility? Hopelessness? And if you're in that dream, who scolded the lion? Not I. I stood there motionless, terrified for my life. I did nothing. And that's not a negative. I don't feel bad for that. I didn't do anything wrong. But the Lord saved me, not myself. And the Lord told me that I would live, even though the lion tried to eat my body. I knew that he couldn't steal my soul. Is Jesus the source of your salvation today? Or is pride and insecurity trying to replace him? And what I love about this psalm is the response is the same. Worship him for his salvation. And let salvation save you from yourself. We have communion today. And to me, communion, especially on a day like today, is an incredible picture of God's actual sacrifice and salvation. Worship team, you can come up. The psalm ends with this, verse 13. Yet I am confident. See, after all of that desire and loneliness, he says, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Not when I die, now. Wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous, Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So my encouragement, my call to you, give the Holy Spirit a moment. But if you're feeling victorious, if life is going well, God bless you. Ask yourself, is Jesus my source or is pride creeping in? And like David, come and submit your pride and take courage instead. Take patience instead. Be courageous in his salvation. Be patient for his salvation. And then praise him for it. If you're not doing well, if you're feeling insecure and hopeless, and you think that somehow your future and your hope and your safety and all that you long for is based on you, come and submit that at the cross. And in patience and courage, Worship God as the source of your salvation.